Cool, let's get into it. Welcome back to the Shop Still Podcast, everyone. We have a an international guest today, uh, which is really exciting. Um, all the way from Texas, I believe, if yep. Instagram has told me correctly. <laughs> it is Mr. Phil Morley, who myself and, and Brian are, are very, very excited to, to have a chat to and, and discuss woodworking with. So, Phil, thanks very much for coming on the show. How are you today? I'm great, and thanks for having me on. Um, been following this podcast for a while, so yeah, it should be fun. Yeah, yeah, we're very excited. Joey, Joey obviously sends his apologies. He's he's in the the midst of a horrific kitchen install, which involves about <laughs> yeah. three hundred cabinets. So yeah. Oh my goodness, I understand. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for mentioning that, Brian. Yeah, we just got a message. We we sent Joey a message today to say. If it's possible, could you come along? And we just got a message back saying, no chance, I'm chasing five mil. That was the message. And who knows how <laughs> yep. what's happened. <laughs> Good luck with the five mil, Joey, whatever that means. So, um, yeah, how, how's life in Texas? It's been a, a, a pretty pretty tricky summer there, huh? Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty brutal right now. Um, I think it's the hottest summer on record, but it's also i guess consecutive days over 100 degrees so it's it's pretty much been 102 104 for i don't know how long and my shop uh well this will be the second summer but my shop doesn't have ac right now so my actual shop is 102 which is just miserable but you know it's going to come to an end in like three weeks uh we head out so yeah you're, oh, that's right. It's coming to an end because you're leaving Texas for a bit, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Leaving Texas tell, for. Tell us about that. Uh, yeah. So leaving for about five to six months. Um, a part of it is we we would like to move out of Texas, um, and so we're kind of doing a little bit of you know searching areas and checking out different places. But we'll be in Vermont for two months, um, and whilst I'm there. I'm hopefully going to be going and, and checking out some friends and kind of working in their shop for a little bit. Um, and I'll fly out and teach uh, almost like every month. Uh, so I have to still do that. But my no commissions. Um, I've stopped all the commissions for now. And then we head up to Maine for, I think, three months. And I'll be, a part of that, I'll be teaching for six weeks in a nine-month intensive program at CFC. Uh, so Center for Furniture Craftsmanship in Maine. So I'll be co-teaching uh, with Tim Rousseau, which uh, I cannot wait to do that. I'm, I'm extremely nervous about it, but also very excited about it. So, yeah. And then we'll see. We might might buy something whilst we're up there. We'll, we'll kind of see how it goes. Take, we're taking it slow, but making moves. Big moves. So you said you're flying, so you're still going to be teaching in Texas? Well, so we're driving up. Um, and then I will fly out once a month to teach. And so I'll, yeah, back to Texas, Oregon, Florida, and Indiana, I think. Cool. Yeah. And so I'll fly out. So I, I'm packing up anything I need right now as far as jigs or templates, and I'm, I'm kind of shipping them out ahead of time. Um, and then just, you know, my usual bag of hand tools and stuff. I don't, I don't take much anymore when I teach. Very exciting. It must be, must be strange to put a pause on, on commissions for such a long period. Yeah, um, it is, but also really nice yeah. to take a break from it and, and, and terrifying because I've, I've literally come to the end of a two-year backlog and intentionally uh, been not taken on commissions. I did just take on these two... I'm doing two desks right now. I took, that was like a last minute thing. I was like, I really want to do this. Um, but it, it is, but it's the only way I see it happening if I, if we do want to move. Um, and it's still kind of up in the air. The, the thing that's grounded me in Texas right now is I'm a part owner of the Austin School of Furniture. Um, and so I, I, that makes things a little more complicated. I know my uh, partner, Austin, is not real happy about if if it ends up being a reality if we move um 
but there's many reasons why we kind of want to get out. Um, and so, yeah, the only, I just don't see me being able to do that and have commissions. I'm going to have to stop, get reset up and then start again. So I've got some more work on the books, but those are patrons that are just kind of chill and they're like, when you get set up, that's fine. Um, but I'm leaning on teaching more than I've ever done. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a mixed bag of feelings. <laughs> I'm like, Oh God, I hope I don't screw myself. Here. But I don't think so. It'll, it'll work out. Is the, is the teaching something that you fell into by chance or is that something you always envisioned doing? Um, I think just as a craftsperson, I think we kind of almost most, well, most of us are teachers. I don't know what it is about this craft. Like we can't help ourselves, but like to share information. And that's what I love about it, right? It's very open. And uh, I have other friends that are in different crafts and they're like, they're not very open about their crafts. It's like secrets. But um, the teaching came about from working. So I did a seven-year apprenticeship with, with my mentor, Michael Kolker, um, and he taught at the community college uh, one night a week. And so I would just go, you know, he was like, well, I don't know what to do with you. I have to leave early and go teach. So he's like, just come along with me. And I really enjoyed it. I was helping him out. And then they said, hey, do you want to teach? And that, so I kind of fell into it that way. But I, I think from early on, I always wanted to be a part of what I do. Uh, just because I'm so thankful for those who have taught me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've been very fortunate that I uh, had a, you know, a lot of good mentors. And just getting into that backstory of it. So that was in the UK. You did that internship. You're originally from England, right? No. So yes, I'm, I'm from England. Um, I that's why I got into the trades. So I went to. Um, I can kind of go back back to where it all started. So yes, it was in the UK. Um, I'm, I'm dyslexic, and uh, along with that, back you know when I was young, I was a had an attitude. So a troubled teenager and, and got in enough trouble that it was serious, um, that it really forced me to end up going to a trade school. And I mean, how fortunate am I that I had a trade school? Uh, that's the thing that was amazing. So we had a city and guilds uh, program and I ended up going to that. Where, where, in, sorry to interrupt, where, where in the UK was it? Lon- London. London. Okay. Yeah. From London. And, um, I went at the age of 15. And so in, in the UK, at the age of 15, you start making decisions to go to sixth form college, which then ends up taking you uh, on more of an academic path to university. So to go to uni, I was not going to uni. There was no chance of that. Um, just heavily, heavily dyslexic, couldn't read, spell, or anything like that. Um, but I was always doing something with my hands. And so... At 15, one day a week um, or a couple of days a week, I would try out different trades um, and I loved the woodworking. So I was a joiner, uh, what they, I guess you'd call it a bench joiner. Um, so more architectural type millwork, doors, sash windows, like stuff like that. Uh, and then on site, uh, kind of like a fine carpenter type thing. And so at the age of 16 decided this is what I need to do because I got in some trouble and I was like, okay, I need to focus and do this or else it was basically juvenile prison or that. And I was like, yep, I'll, I'll stick with the trade. <laughs> I think good option. <laughs> Tough choice. And yeah. so I did. Yeah, I was like, I was like, no problem. And so I did that for three years. Um, and then from that, you do like a kind of a journeymanship, got hired by a company, did that for a year or so. Um but kind of knew at that time I really wanted to get more into furniture because it was not furniture. It, it was really more, it was a lot of, the first year it was nothing but hand tools. And so like a lot of it, I can relate to what I do now. Um, so it gave me a good foundation um, of woodworking and, and, and technology and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it was more carpentry type work and it was really tough work. It was a lot of travel, a lot of in the elements, um, it was nice, high-end work I could be proud of, but I very quickly realized I wanted to get finer and finer with the craft. But it wasn't until I came to America that I 
got introduced to like what I would call studio furniture making. Um, and that, that was, this is a long story. I don't know how to, <laughs> but I basically came, I came over when I was 18 to continue to stay out of trouble um, for the summer. And it was called a, a Camp America. And basically you sign up to a camp and you teach some stuff um, and then you get to travel afterwards. And so I was hired to teach woodshop uh, and it was a camp and basketball. It was a camp for inner city kids from Boston. Um, Wonderful kids, but incredibly tough and, and from really just horrible backgrounds. So really, really tough kids. But once you kind of broke for that thick skin, um, they, they were just, they were kids, uh, 14 year olds, but you know, acted like they're 30 year olds. Um, but it, I met my wife, so that's where that's going. So I met my wife there. She was a camp counselor. And I followed her back to um, – she's from Texas, but she went to school in Rhode Island. And so I followed her back to Rhode Island, where she went to university, to college. Um, and basically in Providence, Rhode Island, there's RISD, uh, Rhode Island School of Design. And that's where I got introduced to – studio furniture making um i kind of i can't remember how i found out about that school because again at that time i didn't know what it looked like to be a furniture maker it just wasn't really on my radar uh, i always like fine woodwork and all those you know magazines i i would eat that stuff up so I, I was aware of what it looked like as far as that goes but as a business itself um so i kind of hung out at RISD. And then they put me in contact with uh, alumni. And so then I would work with different craftspeople that graduated. And that that was my first, like, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to build one-of-a-kind pieces, slow work, um, you know, just a few pieces a year <laughs> and, and at a high, high level. Um, and that's kind of what I worked towards. But the uh, the apprenticeship I mentioned was in America and it was in Texas. So... Michael Colker, uh, C-O-L-C-A. Oh, yeah. An incredible yeah, furniture yep. maker. Yeah. Uh, arts and crafts. Um, he's not out there. Like, he doesn't have any social, uh, which I don't blame him at all. Um, but incredible craftsman. Um, and so I did seven years with him. And before that, I did four years uh, with a more of a design group in Florida. Yeah. So ten ten years before you had your own workshop, doing your own commission. Yeah, at least. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, it was with Michael. I mean, he wasn't ready for me to leave, but it was kind of just where time in that. It, it's a really it, it makes no sense looking back at it. Um, things were slowing down for him, and I had just got told I had an illness that that wasn't good. Um, and I, I, it made me start my own business. I, it made no sense. Um, I, I ended up not having, it was cancer. They, they kept saying I had cancer. I ended up not having cancer, but it made me start my own business. I just came home and just asked my wife. Um, and this was, we had probably two kids then. I don't remember. I think it was probably two. <laughs> um, and, and she was like, yeah, let's, let's do it. Um, and so she was very supportive of it. My 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 wife uh, kind of runs the business side. She hates it, but she does run the business side. Um, and she homeschools uh, our four kids um, now. And so yeah, this this you you, this you are started. literally you're the Texan version of Joey. Am I right, Robin? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> Joey, Joey, so had a, Joey, Joey had a Joey had a cancer diagnosis, which I think led him oh, to wow. start. His own business, get out of building and get into furniture making. His wife homeschools their kids. She does the taxes as well. She takes care of them. We're both weird parallel. We're both bold. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Joey's Joey's still got a wee bit. Yeah. Joey's got more than a pair of us, anyway. But um, that's that's a fascinating story. And and it's been going well ever since. So you've been been running your own studio for, for how many years now? I keep saying five years, but it's longer than that now. Um, 14, 15 years or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I mean, you know how it is. It's, it's absolutely 
it makes no sense. Nope. <laughs> like, None it makes no sense. But um, I forget who it said. I don't know if it was Tim Coleman or something. But it's like it's a it's a hard way to make a living, but a good way to live. Yep. And and it and that's what was important to me. And that, and a part of the you know I think with the whole like hey you may not have long left. <laughs> was more like, I'm going to do what I want to do. And Michael was amazing. Like, I worked with, I mean, absolutely amazing person. Uh, and I credit him for my where I am today, 100%, because he, he just really took me under his wing. And I think when I first interviewed with him, he did not want anyone. He just got out of an apprenticeship, and taking someone on is a lot of freaking work and a lot of stress, uh, definitely with a one-man one shop where you're just building one-of-a-kind pieces. You don't have any product. Um, and then he took me on and said, I'll give you two years. And then I did seven. And he could, he wanted me to continue with him. Um, but he understood, too, that, you know, I wanted to do my own thing and, uh, you know, be around my family more. Um, so, yeah, so that, that was a big part of it was I wanted, I don't want my family necessarily, my kids to necessarily go into the craft. If they do, great. But being around it and seeing what it takes and stuff, I, I think that they pick up more than probably I or they realize. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been, it's been good. A lot of luck. I think. <laughs> I, I was going to ask about that. You talk about luck, that transition from um, moving into your own business. Did you have quite a big network built up for that or did you hit bottom and have to work back up again? So, no, I always knew I wanted my own business. And so, um, and I always knew what kind of work I wanted to do. So from the, from the get-go, when I started working for Michael, I, I was very much aware that I need to have very low overhead so that I can be, um, I can take the work that I want to do and not have to just take work because I have to pay my bills uh, and then get stuck in doing that. Um, I, I never want to do cabinets or anything like that. Not any sh like shade on that. That's just not, I would suck at it. That's not what I wanted to do. Um, and so I, I stayed very selective. And the way I did that was from the get-go, I think actually it was like Obama uh, gave a home credit loan for first home buyers. And it was like 10 grand. I was like, shit. So that's what I built my shop with. So I, I yeah, right. pulled the slab. I did everything. I built my, my shop next to my house. It took me years um, just saving and building. And um, and so I, I knew that I was going to step off by myself. And then I... You were building this while while you were doing the apprenticeship? Yeah. 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 Cool. yeah well, hey, I was living the American dream. I had three jobs. It's, so, yeah, it was not. And no wonder I was fucking sick. Um, so I was teaching and then i did so two nights a week i taught from five to to ten and i would get home around midnight um then i was doing 20 hours a week as a lab tech uh so basically the the, the woodshop labs yeah um i they call it lab tech but i was just taking care of machines and and fixing things and doing all that kind of stuff that gave me insurance back then too, which was kind of amazing in, in America. That's something, you know, it's hard to get. Um, and then working for Michael. And it was one of those transitions. This was like towards maybe two or three years towards the end. I started working more part-time with Michael um, and just kind of transitioned that way. It just, it, it just worked out. And he, he kind of was like, jump on it. You, you get insurance. I can't give you insurance. You know, I can't do any of that. So he's like, just, go with it if that's something you would like to do um it was fine with him um but yes and then i would come home work in the evenings um you know whenever i could weekends and just start building i, I pretty much just did it all by myself just you know my wife helped and uh, every now and then i would get a friend but uh you know i could never schedule anything so i just it was hard for me to get people over to help so i was just like oh i've got a few hours let me go out there and do some stuff um but kind of that that leaned to your your question um so i geared myself up to not just stop have to build a shop have to buy the tools because even before that in florida 
I did a full year apprenticeship, but I also had my own shop. So I've always had my own thing going. Um, and I had all my tools. Like back then, there was a period I wasn't allowed to work uh, as far as the U.S. government because of the, the immigration stuff. So I had to think about a year I was not allowed to work. And a church reached out to me and was like, hey, we want you to do some work. And it's through like word of mouth or something. And I told them I, I can't get paid. I can't work. Um, and I can't do this. You know, I, I don't have all the equipment. And they basically brought me a lot of my equipment. Um, they, they I guess they had like a lawyer or someone on their mm-hmm. dais or whatever it was. But they were like, well, we can't gift you stuff. Loophole. So, you know, yeah. with that, yeah, yeah. I, I was like, yeah, I need a bandsaw. I need a festool. I need, there was a bunch of stuff. And they got it. And it's a ton of work. And so even with that, that helped get word of mouth. And then I came back, you know, to Texas, started doing the shop, little jobs here and there whilst I was working. And so, yeah, word, word of mouth definitely helped. Um, and then it was my my in-laws um, who had brought several pieces from Michael and they wanted a china cabinet basically for their wine stuff uh, so it's like a buffet and then a, a little top piece on it um i designed it and you know i kind of asked them i said is this something you want michael to do or is it that you want michael to do it because i would be doing it too and they were like well yeah that's obviously why and so i said i'm thinking about starting my own business and i could use because it's like about i think around forty thousand. So I said I could use 20 of that to put into the shop and get it finished and get electrical. And then I will, that would be my first commission. Mm. And, you know, they basically said, if if you're going to do that, you need to do it now because, you know, I may not have that money and it's not a necessity. But if it will help you get going, then sure. And so I'm very thankful that they, that's the only piece I've ever brought for me. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm very thankful that they brought and I was like cool they're going to be buying shit for me it's like nope um, <laughs> that was it <laughs> but um, but yeah I mean you know like how fortunate was that uh, to, to be able to jump into a piece like that and I don't know if I've ever built a better piece than that since I've been doing this Stakes I, I was yeah. into that yeah I was into that piece I mean it was insane uh, and, and what's sad about it is he made the mistake, my father-in-law. He said, if you get busy, just put it to the side. Well, Instagram, a friend of mine was like, you need to go on Instagram. I was like, what the hell is that? And she takes my phone and she makes me an account. I mean, I'm telling you, this is what I mean by luck. Because I am I am so not a tech, technological like person at all. And she's like, you need to just post like pictures of real work. And so I would do that. And then... I don't know what happened. I just several people I had like some like famous person reach out and they wanted a piece and, and then it just started going a little bit crazy. And so I put that buffet to the side. It took me two years later. Wow. To, <laughs> to finish it. And my father would dig me every time I saw him. He goes, how's that buffet going? I said, well, I'm still busy. <laughs> and he, and he did not care. But what's even more sad about that is it, he never got the top piece to it. There was like a whole top piece and it's all roughed out in my racks and it's been 10 years or whatever, more than that. And and he just told me, he's like, I don't actually need that top piece because I'm down. I think he just took pity on me because I was like, thank God, because you're never going to get it. And if you did... Like, this is how bad it was. The buffet sides, because I pre-finish everything before it goes together, were done a year before, like, other components. And so when they got finished and put together, they had oxidized so much. It was cherry. that It it took a whole year for it to get just kind of caught up and balanced. But, yeah, it's pretty sad. But... But then I just got busy. I mean, I uh, find woodworking reached out and they asked for some, you know, like to, to work with. And, and it just kind of Instagram back then was wonderful. Um, I had years and years of work just from Instagram. But, 
Not anymore. <laughs> no, you see it more as a, a, a thing just to interact with other makers, do you? Rather than actually sell products. Yeah, I do. I mean, I right now, I mean, I, I think like all of us, we have this like love-hate relationship, but um, I, have an, I have an addictive uh, attitude, so I, I've been sober for six years now, I guess, if not longer. Um, and, and same with Instagram, I would just get, I would spend so much time just wasting time on it and it would mess with my, my mental health. And so recently what I've been doing, I actually put it on today so I could make sure I wasn't missing something with this, uh, podcast, but I delete it off my phone during the week. And then I put it back on my phone on the weekend. I've heard of people so doing I still this. Love, it's, it's a real hurdle. Yeah. So how badly do you want it to go through all those steps? Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the thing. And I just and I just know myself. Because my wife's like, well, why don't you just don't go on it? I'm like, man. Uh, also, I go to restroom and I'm like an hour later coming out of the restroom. And now without it, I'm like five minutes. <laughs> you know it's just it's ridiculous it sucks you in and uh some people can handle it and do it well um i i have definitely struggled with it but i'm so appreciative of it i you know nobody would know who i am if it weren't for that you know because i i i never reached out to magazines or to do articles like they just kind of stumbled upon me um and so it's been fantastic for that so for teaching for clients and i still pick up some work every now and then but then you know with makers and stuff too so it's it's still it's still a good tool um but you know it's changed and unless you're playing the game and you're putting out bullshit content you you just forget it yeah you're gonna get buried yeah i've definitely eased off on it i go through phases and i'm definitely in an ease off phase at the minute i don't know whether it's because I was saying on the podcast the other week that I'm doing less bespoke work this year, which is great, and it's kind of where I wanted my business to go, that I'm right. producing pieces from my back catalogue. So That's awesome. I know the controlled costs in it, I know the profit margin, all that kind of stuff, but I feel I feel that people in this maybe don't want to see it as much because they've already seen it before, despite the fact that it right. might have been two, three years since I've made that piece. Sure. I don't feel so inclined to post, like, this is how this goes yeah. together. But, yeah, but, I, um, I get that. But I love I love your uh, Instagram stories. I love the talking to camera thing. I love the showing of mistakes and how you fix them, all that kind of stuff. Like that's the kind of content yeah. that I engage with. Yeah, yeah. I like I like the stories. I, I I hit up the stories pretty good. It's just something about the fact that it disappears. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind making an ass out of myself, but I think it you was, know it's uh, just that Adam Markowitz <laughs> said the same thing about stories. That's what he loved about it was the. Um, the uh, lack of uh, accountability. You can say what yeah. you want, and then pff, it's gone. <laughs> yeah, and then that's it. You know, and it just—it's—it's it's how I used to be on Instagram, like just regular, like not stories. Like back in the day, I—I I didn't overthink anything. I just shared crap, and then it just became this thing of like overthinking everything. And then I'll go on someone else's page. And I'm like, I want my page to look like their page. It's nothing but beautiful photographs and this that. Yeah, I'm like. That's not who I am. I'm, I can't be that. Even if I wanted to be that, that's not who I am. But we all, we all kind of do that. I think. I, I always tell people woodworkers are like the most insecure people ever. And I, I don't know if you, you two fall in that or not. But every woodworker I've met, and even people I've like looked up to in magazines, and and you know, from when I was fifteen, and I've now I'm getting to meet these people and being a part of some of the same organizations as them. And they're all insecure. <laughs> it's it's amazing, and we're all still figuring. Like, unfortunately, it seems like that doesn't go away. Like, you know, you, you think like, oh, you're gonna hit this certain point, and then it's just like you got to figure it out. Mm. And I speak to these people that I'm doing for forty, fifty years, and they're like, I don't know where my next commission's coming from. <laughs> Yeah. You're like, oh, okay. Don't, don't tell me cool. that. That's not what I want my future to be. <laughs> I think it, it comes. I, I think it comes down to the fact that furniture is sort of accessible and it's small. Therefore, we're we're always striving for for, for perfection in it. And in yeah. every piece, there are flaws. Every mm, piece, yeah. and it's only going to be you or me that know about them. But you oh, know yeah. they're there, and that eats at your soul. But you just yeah. have to get to a yeah. point where you accept it that it yeah. can't be perfect. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, it's 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 funny because I know a lot a lot of people be like, you know, you're doing it for yourself, not for the client. But my thing is like, yeah, of course, you know, like, I mean, or else I'll just go work for someone. Like, yep. what what is the point? I mean, you, we're only on this earth for so long, right? And I'm like, I want to do the best work I could possibly do. And it's not always going to be easy. And there's times I don't want to go to the shop. But I'm always proud of the work I do. And if I didn't push myself and went that little bit extra, I probably would have just stayed at, at, at a certain level as a craftsperson uh, and as a designer. And so for me, it's like, well, yeah, I'm not doing it for the client. Like these ta- these desks I'm doing now, <laughs> it's it's so ridiculous. But she just wanted some nice desks. I could have just done straight legs. I could have done curved tapers on them instead i'm doing like you know rake and splay and you know angle you know everything's like curved the aprons are all hang curved back and the drawers curved and angled dovetails and it's just ridiculous but i don't expect that client to be like this piece is amazing because of this this and this she won't know but she will say this is really a beautiful piece and it makes me feel good Mm. And I have become a better craftsperson and it makes, I charge more and more as I go. And so, yeah, it's, it's funny because I, I always tell my wife, if, if this doesn't work and I think of it as just a big bucket, I do articles, I, I sell some plans, I teach, I do commissions. Um, if that bucket at the end of the year isn't working out as far as the finances go, then I'll go work for someone. You know, and and that'd be great. A lot of stress off me, but I'm not going to go take on shit work that I can't be proud of or happy about just to pay the bills. Like, of course, that sounds kind of sport. Like, I'll do whatever I need to do. But my point is I could go work for someone and, and probably still be pretty proud of the work I do instead of me just doing stuff I don't want to. But, yeah, we ha- yeah, we have this conversation with so many people. And I've always like I've always been so reluctant to take on the shit work that literally is like keep the lights on work. Right. I would I've always said to people like if you need a side hustle that is totally unrelated to furniture, do that rather than do the shit work. Yeah. Because the shit yeah. work attracts shit work. Mm, and then once yeah. you get into the habit of accepting it's it, it's hard to get out. And it's really and hard it, to get you out. Know, of and you home. you live a certain lifestyle. You're making X amount of money. You got to keep it going. And you know it's just kind of one of those things. So. I, I'm making more money every year and doing better than I've ever done working for anyone else. Um, but I, I get it. Like the thing, <laughs> I kind of joke, it makes my wife mad, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always like, I have to make this work. I have nothing. I don't even have a diploma. I have no mm. degrees, no diplomas. Like I'm dyslexic as hell. This is the only thing I know, which in a way is nice because, I, I mean, there'd be time if I had like a degree in, I don't know, whatever, banking, finances or something. And I knew I could go back to that and make, you know, four, five hundred thousand a year. I probably would have quit <laughs> several years back, you know, but it, it, I didn't have that. And I do know people that have come into it from other professions and have lasted a few years and then they've gone back because you, you've you got to get to that point where you can make it work. Um, but yeah, it's, it's tough, but, um, I wouldn't change it. I want get more money. <laughs> I think it's also maybe an age thing as well, because I, I don't know if you guys feel the same, but the older I've gotten, the less, less and less I've started chasing money. So it's, I chase lifestyle yeah. now, not money. Yeah. Um, so I'm in that situation that you just talked about, Phil, where I, I work, my day job is working for an IT company. I do woodworking on okay. the side and I, and I want to move towards doing woodworking full time. But I'm so keenly aware of exactly what you've said that when the times get, right. when it gets hard, am I just going to run back to what will, what would be cushier work, easier work, better pay, less hours. Um, yeah. Right. But that, that's where I say when you, when you get your head around the, I'm not chasing money anymore. I want more time to be with my yeah. kids or to show my yeah. kids that dad's his own boss and he's, makes his own decisions, those yep. sorts of influences, then I think then you're ready to make the step. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think you're smart 
doing it in that way where it's like you're slowly getting into it because now you can work up your clientele and the word of mouth and get those pieces out there and it takes time like I've had students come and take a three-month program with me and their, their background is in finances or whatever and they just want to they hate what they do but they just want to quit and start building furniture and you know ask me like so do you think you can make about four hundred thousand a year building furniture i'm like no <laughs> <laughs> I was so, like, you, so you, you gotta make this, you gotta make this hundred and fifty thousand dollar investment into your piece into getting your yes. workshop set up and then it's gonna take you about three to four years before you've even paid that off paying yourself absolutely nothing so yeah, yeah that's your starting just point, like, guys. man i'm like take it slow like like yeah. work into it if you don't absolutely hate your job keep at it and then to, you know yeah so I, I mean that makes sense um and I, I think like you said too like i don't know like the more you make the more you spend right like it just seems to be that way so mm. so i know there's like this magic number where happiness is tied to and it's in the way i like this is sounds really simple but little things i take for granted right like I'll go to the gas station and it's only kind of clicked with me, you know, a few months back. And I'll see people going in and, and saying $10, $10 on pump one. And those are the people that are just barely getting by and working their asses off in barely minimum wage jobs, just barely getting by. And I don't even hesitate at the pump. I fill it up. If my AC goes out, I don't hesitate to call someone, my car, whatever it is, right? So, like, I'm not going without those important necessities to be able to feel comfortable in that way. But what is, like you just said, what's more important is, and, and I think this is our age thing. It's it, I, I, I can't remember what it was. It was a podcast I was listening to, but it, they called it the new rich. And, you know, like my, my wife's parents, like their generation was – you know, you you get the job that pays really well and you get the big ass house, you get the nice cars that you're just barely able to pay for and stuff. So you're working your ass off until you're like 75 and then you're going to go live and travel and do the stuff you really want to do. You're 75. Like who wants to do that at 75? And so I think the new rich to me is experiences and you know, getting to travel and getting to be around my family more. Those things are incredibly important to me. Um, and you know, I'm saying all this and at the same time, like, God, I hope I have enough work to pay the bills. <laughs> so, uh, but even too, like you think of other people with these jobs, you're like, I would love to have more of a secure job. It's kind of what I was going to say, but during COVID, I, I was still working. I was, I, it didn't affect me at all. And I know so many people that got laid off who thought they had secure jobs. So I guess it just isn't any such thing as that. So. Yeah, I suppose yeah. The, the the teaching definitely is like it's way more stable than the idea of chasing commission work. Like, yeah, I kind of like yeah. doing a bit of teaching on the side and sort of knowing that that is coming in every week. Yeah, no, it is nice. I I I wonder. You know, it's it's been tough because if I just stayed in my shop working on my commission work, I probably would have made more money um, than doing the teaching. Uh, the teaching, it, it just, it pays okay, but when you factor in all the time ahead and afterwards, and um, it, it's, it can be a lot. But it has brought so much more to me than just the teaching itself. Like, I've gotten patrons from it. My family has traveled with me teaching. I absolutely, I've, I'm so much more uh, like a better craftsperson because of teaching. And so I, I've and, and I've gone to meet some of these people I've looked up, you know, I I look over and Michael Fortune's teaching next to me. And I'm like, I need to pinch myself, you know, I'm like, this is crazy. Like <laughs> this this punk kid from London is now in America teaching with these people that I've looked up to and read their articles, not even read it, just looked at it, you know, and like looked at the diagrams and all that stuff and learned from. And so but but it is like I can't imagine me trying to make the transition I'm trying to do now if I didn't have the teaching. Yep. You know, and, and that that's amazing. Talking about the transitions of your business, you've always had interns working for you right from the start or you started not, to... Not always. Um, I've actually only ever had one. Um, 
that's Amanda, right? Yeah, Amanda, full time. Um, but you're probably seeing. I I do. Uh, I work with a program called Project Art, and they pair me with high school students. And so I have high school students come out, and we design and build a project together uh, over the whatever, however long it takes. Very so good. yeah, I, uh, yeah. So Amanda was your main intern for like four or five years, yeah, and then several, blew, the, yeah, blew the net. Several years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I couldn't continue hiring any anymore. Um, yeah. Just you know that's the reality of it. You know, I, and and with her, what what the agreement was, um, she was a student of mine, and then I had her come out part time. I said, did you want to come out? help me out for these few jobs and i said hey i think i could hire you full time but here's the deal i have no idea like it might be three months six months a year two years i have no freaking idea so if you're wanting something secure this is not it but she took it as opportunity to learn from me and 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 i she helped me out a lot back then i had i was doing more products also which i don't really show a lot of but i did uh these record consoles, um, and it was like uh, I farmed out a lot of it. So I had a company, Venera, up the plywood, and then a company, CNC'd it, and then Amanda and I would do the rest of the work to it. Um, and so I had products that kept her busy, could pay her, you know, it worked out well. And then I tried some, I'm really terrible at selling stuff, like product. I suck at it. Uh, but I, I made some like cool coffee table and some other stuff, and I was like, you know, I've designed it, you make it, I'll kind of help you through some of it, jigging and this, that, the other, keep her busy. Um, but then it, they're just like hanging in the shop. I haven't even tried to sell any of them. <laughs> so it just, it's tough when you don't have product. Um, and, you know, that that's kind of what it was. And then she had a, a fantastic opportunity to go work for freaking Fine Woodworker magazine. And I, I was like, you need to get after it. Like a salary, a freaking insurance getting out of texas i was like win 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 yeah so so she's that's what she's doing and um and she's getting to do her own thing too so it's pretty awesome to see very good um yeah and so you're saying you don't really do much product anymore so would you consider all your work to be bespoke now or you're Um, still making pieces that you've made before so yeah, so I, I would say um, uh, you know seventy five percent is is bespoke, and, and like you just said, you're getting out of that, and I totally get it. It it sucks. I mean, I love it because it is what pushes me, and I do the craziest shit. But it's just it kills you. You know, you spend three four months on a piece, and you're like, oh my god, what am I doing? Um, but you know, I have my lounge chairs, my rocking chairs. My, my other chairs, you know, obviously chairs, yeah, that's the only thing I do over again. But it's not even like I have that advertised really anywhere or I'm trying to push it as a product. So when I say yeah. products, that's kind of what I mean. I, I don't have I don't have a line of furniture. Um, I but it's think something like the, the people, f- know that people know the chairs exist and, you know, they might see it on Instagram yes. and then two to three years down the line yeah. they might have the money together and contact yeah. me. I yeah. and I just I just shipped out six of my lounge chairs and so that does happen, um, and and I'll get an order for I I've done a dining chair and a bar stool, and I've done those like two or three times. Um, I hate doing chairs. You hate uh, I doing chairs. Designing. I thought you I thought you love doing chairs. No, I love making the jigs. I love right. designing, prototyping, making the jigs, and then I want to hand it the heck off. <laughs> if I if I could trust someone if I could trust someone to do it to the level I wanted, um, but yeah no I, I chairs are there's nothing fun about chairs. It's just like doing the doing the same thing over and over again. It's like yeah. pain. And those particular dining chairs I don't know like terminology of stuff, um, but I, I don't know if they call them stick chairs. But you know it's like that that Scandinavian deal where you've got the round tapered leg. And then you've got the freaking rail with the housed uh, tenon, and the, the entire rail is housed in the leg, and it's, there's no forgiveness at all, like none. So if you have someone that's a little heavy with a hand plane, it's a gap. 
And so yeah. it's just yeah. the worst type of chair. If if you want to do chairs, the the only chair that makes any sense is like a um Oh, what do you call it? Like rung, rung and stick, or I, I'm really bad with names of stuff. Um, like a Windsor types chair, hmm. a burn, you know, a burn Chantley chair. Burn yeah, <laughs> which is burn Chantley's a freaking amazing, and and he's the one. Those his I don't know the name of it, but he's got this one particular chair. It is unbelievable. It's to me, it's like one of the best chairs out there. It's just beautiful. Like he put a modern twist on that style chair but but those are because you know it's like it's just designed to be more of a production once you've got the systems in place um and 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 it's not really designed to be perfect it's designed to move with your body it's you know you're not trying to fit a few thousands of an inch you know it's it's you leave the facets on it and stuff and it's beautiful um so yeah i mean that that's the way you do chairs for sure uh, and it and it still probably sucks. <laughs> uh, Burn Burn is a superstar in in the community. It's so cool that he sort of oh, yeah. to see all the Americans really start to appreciate his work. And you know he's such a modest guy as well. Like it's, it's really cool. Uh, well, he's getting all the, the most humble dude ever. Yeah. Like I've spoke to him with, with FaceTime and stuff through Instagram, and I haven't spoke to him in a little while. But he helped me uh, out a lot with steam bending. Um, he he gave me a lot of advice and stuff because those dining chairs I did had steam bent back legs and it was a big steam bend and, and I finally I made it work but um, he was just so forthcoming with giving information and uh, just super humble but yeah amazing guy I hope hopefully I get to meet him one day yeah yeah we gotta get you down to Melbourne yeah okay yeah. it's it's funny everyone who we well most of the guests that we talk to know of him. And um, yeah, it's, it was we when we were down in Melbourne for the Woodust event. Matt Esley, who's from where he's, I think he's Guildford, over in England. He got to meet Burn yep. pretty much exactly the scenario that you're talking cool. about to hopefully do one day. And it was such this amazing moment to see Matt Esley, this incredible woodworker, just get butterflies, and you can see his hand shaking because he's so excited yeah. to meet. This. <laughs> and Burn was just he was just like that cool grandpa who just. You know, just shook yeah. his head and said, "Hey, grandpa, careful, careful, careful! I don't think burns the grandpa." That's, <laughs> that's, that's pretty funny. I'm saying, I'm saying in warmth. Yeah. Warm. 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 Is that warm, yeah. grandpa? Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, awesome. Well, that's that's what I mean. Like, you know, I mean, so Tim Coleman is someone that I just absolutely admire, and then I got to go hang out and, and meet him and. Um, and it was the same deal. I think he was as nervous meeting me as I was meeting him, which was ridiculous. <laughs> but he was just the most, like, just wonderful, kind person. Um, and then he, you know, I, I think that's how it works. He nominated me for the New Hampshire Furniture Masters and to, to be a uh, visiting artist, I guess, for the year. And it's just through this one visit I had with him. And it was just like, this, you know, you, you would think, like, you people in this kind of industry because there's not that many of us that do high-end work it, it probably seems like there's a ton but there really isn't that many of us um and you'd think we'll be like a little more like standoffish like oh you stepping on my territory Rockstar. it's like no like you just like give out the information yeah. <laughs> you know and that's what i love I think it is the nature of the craft, like the fact that there was always that internship model going back hundreds yeah. of years that you had to learn from someone and then it's expected that you right. passed on the knowledge. So I yeah. think that whole yeah. IP thing, just it doesn't really exist in, in woodwork, maybe. Right. Some people out there, but for, for me, I've always found the same thing. I've, I've been, like, especially when I first started and began to approach people and ask them questions on Instagram, I always find they responded. Like, so long as you're asking them a right. useful question, and not just like wasting right. their time. Everybody responded. They were always polite and interested yeah. in what you're doing. And I try to be the same. And it's hard because it takes time. But no, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but it does tend to be for the for the most part. It is a dickhead-free zone. Like people are yeah. are very willing really to share is. ideas. Yeah, I've only ever met one guy. I'm not going to mention names, but um, was a total asshole. <laughs> uh, and, and he's super super well known, pretty famous. Uh, but he had this one product and it's bloody ugly anyway. Uh, but he, he, 
I I kind of knew about him before he got really known, and I remember thinking, am I being a little too hard on him because the way he reacted with something? I you know anyway, and and about a year later, the whole internet was like, screw this guy. It was just the weirdest thing. <laughs> that was, I was that, like, okay, that, no. <laughs> save that conversation for the. Uh, for the Patreon premium yeah. chat that, that we don't have. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but he might be a wonderful person in, in person, but just the whole, I'm the inventor of this, I'm the first, I'm, you know, mm. I, I don't get that. It's all been done before. Everything. You know, if it's, if it's so original, it's probably ugly. I mean, honestly, like, mm. you know, like we, we build upon stuff from the from the past i mean that's what it is but yeah i think that's going to be the tagline for this episode if it's so original it must be ugly all right speaking uh, of that we're going to have to bring this to a, a close because it is coming up on time um phil yeah thanks again for coming on the show mate it feels like um this is a conversation yeah. that we could continue for the next couple of hours I know. I'm shocked it's already gone by. I'm like, dang, I'm just getting started. No, I'm just, yeah. <laughs> I can ramble, so you got to watch out. <laughs> nah, it's so good. Cool. I appreciate, so I appreciate much, you having me on. So much information there for, for people who are starting their own business. And, yeah, that's what we try to provide. Like We try to show mm. the whole process yeah. of where people have come from, where, the, where they've ended up. And Yeah, your yeah. story's brilliant. So interesting. Yeah. No, that's what I like about your podcast. It's probably about the only one I listen to, honestly. Uh, oh, so thank you. Really but appreciate that. That and fine, that and fine woodworking. And that's about it. Cool. All right. Well, take care. All the best. Good luck with the potential move. And um, yep. thank you. Yeah, we'll be watching I you. Appreciate on it. All right. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Right. Thank you. Right, take care. Bye. Bye.